Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Is Iran backing down, or are they just taking the fight underground? The lead starts right now. Breaking now, Iran tells the U.S. via back channels that their response is over, as President Trump claims the regime is standing down following last night's attack by Iran on bases housing U.S. forces. So why is the FBI warning us about another kind of attack? The president also vowing Iran will never have a nuke and that he will strangle the country with new tough sanctions. Is this the way to handle decades of aggression from the regime? A presidential candidate who served in Iraq weighs in live. Plus, the Senate Majority Leader essentially telling Speaker Pelosi to butt out as pressure mounts on the House Speaker from members of her own party to deliver the articles of impeachment to the Senate. Welcome to The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper. We begin with our world lead today. The escalating conflict between Iran and the United States looks to be on hold, at least for now. President Trump today said that Iran appears to be standing down after firing more than a dozen missiles on sites in Iraq where U.S. troops are stationed. CNN has just learned that Iran sent multiple messages through three different back channels to U.S. officials, all indicating the same thing. Iran saying, hey, we're done. But U.S. officials remain concerned about ongoing threats from Iranian proxies. Mr. Trump also confirmed today there were no Americans injured or killed during last night's attack. The Iraqi military says the same about its personnel. Multiple administration officials tell CNN that they believe Iran intentionally avoided hitting U.S. troops, hitting, as one Pentagon official told me, quote, deliberate targets with minimum damage and maximum warning. President Trump today tried to blame President Obama for the Iranian attacks, repeating the lie that the U.S. gave Iran billions of dollars as part of the Iran nuclear deal. In actuality, that money consisted of frozen assets that already belonged to Iran. The president also claiming with no proof that that money was used to fund a terror spree. The White House has presented no evidence to back that claim, and experts say that, in fact, Iran's aggression accelerated significantly after President Trump withdrew from the Iran deal. The president today also claiming falsely that 100 percent of ISIS had been destroyed. According to his own Pentagon, that's not true. Either way, as CNN's Alex Marquardt reports, the 16 missiles that Iran launched might only be a retaliation in the short term. The American people should be extremely grateful and happy. Surrounded by his national security team, the president today announcing a de-escalation, for now, in the crisis with Iran. Iran appears to be standing down, which is a good thing for all parties concerned and a very good thing for the world. The Pentagon waited until there was daylight in Iraq to determine officially that the Iranian missiles harmed no Americans and left no major damage at either of the two areas targeted. According to the Pentagon, over a dozen ballistic missiles were launched from inside Iran toward two parts of Iraq, in the west and north, where U.S. troops are stationed. In Erbil, at least one missile landing at the international airport but didn't explode, and another hitting near the U.S. consulate. 
Most were directed at the sprawling Al-Assad airbase, 140 miles west of Baghdad, home to hundreds of U.S. troops. Satellite images obtained by CNN show the before and after. Here, a number of buildings appear to have been destroyed or damaged next to a row of helicopters. Other buildings were also hit. Of 16 missiles launched, sources say that four appeared to have failed in flight. The president gave credit to an early warning system that the short-range missiles were incoming. U.S. intelligence satellites had picked up early signs that they'd been fueled up and then launched. Iran had also warned the Iraqi government, likely knowing that it would be passed on to the Americans, which gave U.S. troops a chance to take cover. Some Trump administration officials now telling CNN that they see Iran's strike as intentionally missing areas where Americans were housed so that they weren't killed. But a clear message was sent. We have a pause. Uh, we should be trying to de-escalate in any way we can, de-escalate this situation on both sides. Immediately following the attack, Iran's foreign minister tweeting that Iran had concluded its response, but the regime later warning of crushing responses in case of new U.S. aggression. And today, the Supreme Leader Ayatollah Khamenei claiming we slapped them in the face, but saying it wasn't enough. And right after last night's attack, Iran did reach out to say they were done retaliating. A source now telling our colleague Pamela Brown that Iran used at least three of those back channels, including the Swiss and other countries, to convey that message. But multiple U.S. officials are also telling CNN that they're still concerned about Iran's proxies in the Middle East. And now the Department of Homeland Security, as well as the FBI, have just put out a bulletin about potential cyber attacks. Jake. All right, Alex Marquardt, thank you so much. Joining me now to discuss is retired four-star Marine General John Allen. He served uh, in 2007 in Iraq and Fallujah, but near uh, the base that was attacked last night, one of the bases. I also visited Erbil, I imagined. And Mm -hmm. uh, you were deputy commander at CENTCOM and led the formation of an Iraq war contingency plan. Thanks so much for being here. Um, So the president said today Iran is standing down. Is that how you see it? Do you expect um, further response from Iran or its proxies in the future? Sure. First, let me say how uh, glad all of us are, Jake, that none, we had no casualties yesterday. Yeah, and, absolutely. And Iraqi casualties as well. And my thoughts and prayers are with the passengers on that airplane that went down because it was not just Iranians. It was uh, an international uh, passenger list. So we should all be thinking about and praying for them as well. Um, look, the Iranians uh, should know that the president has all the cards right now. Uh, the contingency capabilities of the United States uh, gives him the capacity both to de-escalate but if necessary, to escalate in a very major way very quickly with overwhelming force. I think the Iranians know that. Uh, they had to do something. Uh, whether those missiles were, in fact, targeted uh, to uh, uh, not damage or kill any Americans, or they were just lucky that they didn't land on those, those targets, I think remains to be determined. But they are the fact that they came through a series of multiple back channels uh, trying to stand down any American uh, retaliation for that attack, I think, uh, indicates they're, that they're desperate. Uh, and I think they understand that the yeah. United States has the capability of inflicting enormous battle damage uh, on that regime. And right now, th- that regime can't afford to have an American slap in the face that they said that they had offered to the United States. Well, do you think that they, that they purposefully didn't kill anyone last night? Do you no, think? I, I don't think we You don't buy that? No, I don't think we know. I know we don't know, but what's your suspicion? Uh, you know, my you, suspicions are they shot those missiles to those bases. Uh, hoping not to kill any uh, Iraqis, uh, but uh, with the full intent of uh, inflicting damage. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have no idea in the end where those missiles are going to come down. So I, I don't buy the idea that uh, they were uh, pure in their targeting with no intention ultimately of hurting the United States or Iraqi forces. One of the ways that Iran has responded in the past has been to wait a month and then some proxy stages some devastating terrorist attack with no obvious links to Iran. Uh, it happened when the Israelis killed the leader of Hezbollah. That's right. And a month later, there was that horrible explosion killing innocent Jewish civilians That's in Argentina. Right. Two years later, another one. Uh, it happened with the Israelis again uh, when after they killed a nuclear, the Israelis are suspected of killing an, uh, a nuclear scientist. They went after a month later diplomats in three different countries, a bus full mm-hmm. of Israeli tourists. Is that what you expect? I absolutely do, Jake, and you framed it perfectly. Uh, look, the Iraqis, the Iranians know that there is no way that they can uh, compete with the United States in a conventional uh, head-to-head symmetric uh, uh, conflict. Uh, so they will do what they have done always in that region, is they'll mo- motivate the uh, Goats Force, which is a uh, special operations force, which is largely a terrorist organization. Uh, but they'll also uh, unleash many, I think, of the Shia militia elements. Uh, Khatab Hezbollah, for example, has already threatened American troops, and we killed the commander of Khatab Hezbollah in the same blast that killed Qasem Soleimani. Uh, we should see uh, other uh, Shia militia elements also acting independently or acting at the behest of Iran. We won't necessarily know, but your point is there are unconventional capabilities uh, available to the Iranians that we should anticipate. And the FBI warning is a good example of how that could unfold. And I'll also add that the Iranian cyber army Mm -hmm. is something that we should be uh, very focused on at this particular moment because they could hit us in an unconventional way, but they can also hit us in the cyber domain as well. Let me uh, play for you something that President Trump said about Qassam Soleimani. Soleimani's hands were drenched in both American and Iranian blood. He should have been terminated long ago. Why wasn't he killed long ago? I think there were strategic decisions that were made that, uh, that were predicated on the sense that his being alive strategically was better than his being killed tactically. Because it would, the situation might spiral out of control. That, that is correct. And that's a difficult statement to make because, of course, the president's right. His hands are covered with the blood, not just of Americans, uh, but of many Iraqis as well as Iranians. Uh, so he, he, in fact, as when I was the commander in Afghanistan, uh, we perceived him as owning the foreign policy and security and defense portfolio from as far east as the western one-third of Afghanistan all the way to the shores of the Mediterranean and into Gaza. It was an enormous portfolio, and he had largely singular sway at the behest of the supreme leader. Um, We had him in our gun sights on a number of occasions, and the idea ultimately of killing him has to be taken as a strategic decision because of, as you say, there's the potential really for the instability, the instability that would come from that of uh, destabilizing the region. Was it a mistake not to shoot him before, not to go after him before? It's hard to say. Uh, Again, each one of those circumstances was different. Uh, Each one of those uh, occasions provided different opportunities. Uh, The president uh, weighed the intelligence that was provided to him for this particular attack and uh, decided to to kill him and to take him out, but also took out a very senior uh, Iraqi uh, militia leader at the same time. General John Allen, always great to have you here. Thanks so much for your Thank time. Thank you, Jake. Appreciate Good to be it. With you. President Trump is now asking for help with Iran from the same organization that he has called in the past obsolete. And that's not all he's asking NATO for. Plus, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says he will not haggle with the House over impeachment as Nancy Pelosi starts to feel the pressure from her own party. Stay with us.
The world lead now, surrounded by his closest national security advisors and top generals. President Trump addressed the nation this morning, declaring the U.S. military had, quote, big, powerful, accurate, lethal, and fast, unquote, missiles. But he did not need to use them. Instead, the president said Iran appears to be standing down, insisting the nation would never have a nuclear weapon and he would impose new sanctions against that nation. As CNN's Caitlin Collins reports for us now, the president's rhetoric today marked something of a shift from the threats he had been making. The United States is ready to embrace peace with all who seek it. On the cusp of war with Iran, President Trump stepped back today. Iran appears to be standing down. Flanked by the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the president signaled his response won't be a military one after no Americans were killed during Iran's missile attacks on military bases in Iraq. All of our soldiers are safe and only minimal damage was sustained at our military bases. Despite threatening for days to retaliate with force if Iran targeted Americans. If Iran does anything that they shouldn't be doing, they're going to be suffering the consequences, and very strongly. Today, Trump urged restraint. The fact that we have this great military and equipment, however, does not mean we have to use it. Instead, the president said he'll impose additional economic sanctions on Iran and ask NATO to get involved despite dismissing the alliance as obsolete in the past. The United States will immediately impose additional punishing economic sanctions. I am going to ask NATO to become much more involved in the Middle East process. Trump also called on world powers to abandon the 2015 Iran nuclear deal and made this claim about his predecessor, President Obama, without any evidence. The missiles fired last night at us and our allies were paid for with the funds made available by the last administration. The president spent last night and this morning huddling with his national security team in the Situation Room. While officials believe the situation has been contained for now, there are still big questions about Trump's long-term strategy when it comes to Iran. In recent months, Trump has claimed Iran changed its behavior since he took office despite continuing to provoke the U.S. Mr. President, you said Iran is a different country. Do you still hold that opinion? Oh, absolutely. And Jake, we're getting a better look at how the president spent his night last night watching the details of these attacks come in. You can see these photos just released by the White House a few moments ago where he's surrounded by the defense secretary, the secretary of state, the treasury secretary. Of course, the vice president is there as well, as well as some White House attorneys and the press secretary all in the room. And we're told by sources that one of the big things, of course, that the president was looking at, and he made this clear in his speech today, was whether there were going to be any American casualties in these attacks. Thankfully, there were not. No American casualties, no Iraqi casualties. Uh, Thank you so much for that piece. Stay stay here uh, on our panel. And Jen Psaki, let me just ask you, um, no American or Iraqi lives lost with a response last night. Iran's top general, head of a terrorist group, gone. Uh, Is this uh, something of a success for President Trump? Well, we all should certainly celebrate the fact that there were no American casualties, whether you're Democrat or Republican or no affiliation, of course. Um, 
though, if you look at this, the question is what now? And yeah. right now, the uh, effort against ISIS is frozen uh, because the military is focused on protecting bases in Iraq and in the Middle East. Uh, the Iraqis want the United States out of Iraq. That's not good for our national interests. Uh, we also have Iran has also de- decided they're not going to abide by any of the uh, nuclear commitments they've made. We may, we may have been on the path to that, but this kind of expedited that. And we have personnel around the world, military and diplomatic, who are on high alert. I, I don't know that that is a win. I don't think that is a win. David uh, Urban, uh, you're a 2020. <laughs> Come on, uh, Jen. <laughs> I'll get to you in a second. You're a 2020 uh, Trump campaign advisor. You're also a lobbyist. You represent some defense industries and you served in the army. So those are all your credentials there. <laughs> I want you to take a listen to the former acting CIA director, Mike Morrell, who believes that the threat from Iran, the, the overt threat is over. But I think what's not over is the covert war. And I still think that down the road we will see an Iranian terrorist attack against the senior officials. Sure. So, so let's let's let's, let's like, like do does anybody really think that Iran, that somehow Iran just had given up on harming America no, or Hezbollah of or Hamas was just going to sit back? No, they, they weren't. And we took off. What this president did, and this administration did, and this military did was removed a really bad guy from the planet who was going to do really bad things to Americans in an imminent fashion. He wasn't showing up there in, in Iraq just to play poker that night with an with with Iraqi general who was leading protests outside the embassy. I mean, maybe people forget. I don't forget. You don't forget. I hope no one forgets that, you know, that our embassy was stormed. Hostages were taken by by Iranian by 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 the Iranians before. I mean, executed and, and, and led by some of these same folks who are just who are just eliminated. I, I so think the, the world Iranian is a much safer yeah, 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 place. Yeah. The world is a much safer place. Hezbollah, the, 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 the 83 bombing of the of the Marine Corps barracks funded in, in, in large part by the Iranians. No one has called these guys until this this action. And so. Mm-hmm. The world is, is a much safer place today, and I, and I challenge anybody to say Jenna, I just want to give you an opportunity. No, I, I just think, David, I think what uh, what General Allen was referring to and what I've a number of Iranian experts I've talked to today have referred to is the fact that the Shia militia or Shia uh, people uh, around the world sure. are now really, this this is going to set them off. And well, you know, they, I think they the, the already, question, they, they the question David, already? is what is the con- what are the consequences? So whether that's Hezbollah in Lebanon, whether that is in Yemen, the Houthis in Yemen, what is that mean? There's cyber capacity, as we know as well. And as Mike Morrell said, assassination and assassination of high-level officials is something that Iran has done in the past, if you look back at what they did in reaction to the killing of the nuclear scientists from Israel. So there is some validity yeah. to these to the argument that these tactics are possible and that their retaliatory steps may not look the same as it did last night, but there could be additional I, I just ones. think that, look, our enemies hate us enough. There's not to think that somehow we made them hate us extra more because we did this. It's 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 not doesn't hold water. There's also this issue now that the Iranians uh, say that they're not going to abide by uh, the nuclear deal. Obviously, the U.S. had withdrawn, but the deal was still in place with other countries, including Germany, Russia and and others. That's obviously on President Trump's mind. Take a listen to him. This is what he said even before he said good morning as he walked out to give his presentation today. As long as I'm president of the United States, Iran will never be allowed to have a nuclear weapon. It's interesting because the the killing of Suleimani had had nothing really, at least in terms of what they stated, to do with the Iran uh, nuclear program. Yeah, and that's part of the reason that this entire process isn't over. It's too early to declare this a victory or a loss for the president because a lot of times the president comes out, he speaks according to the teleprompter, he gets accolades, and then 
developments change. And I think especially when it comes to the nuclear uh, situation, Iran is in a place where they have already said that they're not going to abide by some of the restrictions that were a part of that nuclear deal. President Trump spent a lot of time during his speech today saying that the, the nuclear deal was part of the reason that Iran has become so aggressive. He even blamed the previous administration for what had happened in recent weeks with Iran and aggression uh, from Tehran. And I think the president is uh, going to put himself in a very tough situation where if Iran does begin to break out, if they do begin to take action that show that they're not abiding by the, the restrictions of the nuclear deal, then President Trump is going to have some pressure on him to increase sanctions and potentially take other actions to show that he's not just going to speak about not allowing Iran to get a nuclear weapon, but he's actually going to enforce uh, what he has made a, a red line at this point. And the White House obviously bracing for what might come next from Iran, but hoping that it's over, although the president talking about trying to get NATO more involved and trying to impose sanctions against Iran, more sanctions. Yeah, those seem to be the paths he wants to take now. But obviously, you couldn't ignore the visual that you saw today, which is the president standing there flanked not only by the vice president and the defense secretary, but also the joint chiefs of staff. It was a pretty clear message that the president still feels like he has this military option in his back pocket should he need it. And that was why this was so notable over recent days. And that meeting in the Situation Room last night was so critical because it wasn't clear what step the president was going to take. Yeah, especially he was waiting to find out, as you reported, whether or not there are any U.S. casualties. Everyone stick around. We have more to talk about CNN reporters covering the story across Iraq and Iran as no other network is. We're going to go live next with new reaction to President Trump's statement abroad. Stay with us. In our world lead, the Iranian foreign minister says that that country has concluded its proportionate measures against the United States with the airstrikes overnight, which Iran's supreme leader called a, quote, slap in the face to the U.S. In Iraq, where those strikes took place, fears are growing of the country being brought into what one Iraqi government official called a, quote, spiral of conflict. We have three reporters spread out across Iran and Iraq joining me now. Let's start with Arwa Damon live in Baghdad, where moments ago, two rockets landed in the Baghdad green zone. Arwa, what are you learning on the ground there? Well, Jake didn't cause any casualties. At least that's the initial information. But Worth noting that while rockets inside the green zone not necessarily uncommon, they do take on a bit more significance given the backdrop of everything else that is happening. And in fact, rockets hitting inside the green zone have been occurring on a near nightly basis since the U.S. killed Qasim uh, Soleimani and a key Shia paramilitary leader, Abu Mahdi al-Muhandis. In fact, earlier today, Jake, we sat down with one of the commanders of another one of these paramilitary units, the Butter Brigades. Now, they're considered to be more moderate. And by that, I mean that they were not among the groups that were targeting the U.S. military throughout the course of the U.S. occupation. But this commander was telling us that they may not be able to control the other groups if America does not abide by the wishes of the Iraqi government. All right, Fred Plaikin is live. What happens if the military doesn't leave? It's possible that some Iraqis will once again confront an occupying force, like they did from 2003 to 2011. If they go back to that time, it will be a violent confrontation, and the Americans are vulnerable. And that, Jake, is why the U.S. military here does remain on high alert. The threat to U.S. forces is very 
real. And for the Iraqis, they're in a very difficult situation because if the U.S. does stay, there is the potential for more destabilization of this country. If the U.S. does leave, Jake, it leaves Iraq vulnerable to a potential reemergence of ISIS. All right, Arwa Damon in Baghdad, thanks so much. Let's go to Fred Pleitkin live in Tehran, Iran. Uh, Fred, what is the reaction there to President Trump's address and the new sanctions he's threatening? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, well, the sanctions is one thing, but I think in terms of President Trump announcing essentially that uh, the U.S. was not going to strike back at the Iranians after those retaliatory hits on the uh, airbase where the U.S. was, that's exactly what the Iranians wanted to achieve. They've been telling us over the past couple of years, look, we're going to take military action. It's going to hit military assets. We want it to end there. We don't want a further escalation to take place. Also, Jake, really important for the Iranians, they managed to showcase their ballistic missile technology. Because one of the things that people keep talking about when they say how Iran could threaten the U.S. and the Middle East, they talk a lot about these Iranian proxy forces, pro-Iranian proxy forces in the area. But the Iranians have now shown that they also have sophisticated technology that they've developed themselves that can hit targets and pressure the U.S., very far away from where Iran is, even across the border. It was something very important for the Iranians to showcase and to point out. I want to read you one headline that I actually found on the Farce News Network. Uh, It says, uh, Trump's big retreat from the threat of the Islamic Republic of Iran missile strike. So clearly the Iranians wanting to point out how strong their missiles are. And you already mentioned it. The Supreme Leader came out and said that this was a slap in the face to the Americans. Certainly the Iranians selling it as that. As far as those sanctions are concerned, it's a different story because the Iranians do see that as the fundamental reason why these problems between the U.S. or the Trump administration and Iran continue. Jake. Our Fred Plepkin in Tehran. Clarissa Ward, let's go to you. You're in Erbil in northern Iraq, which was hit by several of these Iranian missiles. What is the response there? Well, Jake, I have to tell you, it was a little bit uh, spooky as we were landing in the night. The airport basically completely deserted. The vast majority of flights have been canceled because one of those missiles actually landed in the perimeter of the airport. It didn't explode. There were no casualties reported, but certainly hit a nerve because this is a very important base for the U.S., for coalition partners. It's where the fight against ISIS has been carried out from. That fight is now on freeze, but certainly... uh, uh, nobody wants to see this become a more dangerous hotspot. Traditionally, Erbil and these Kurdish areas have been seen as safer. When we arrived at our hotel earlier, Jake, interestingly, we saw more than 100 U.S. military contractors. Uh, they told us they essentially have been evacuated from Baghdad, from Bayap, uh, from Balad as well, the airbase uh, also in the southern part of Iraq. The idea was supposed to be that this was the safe place to come to. But with last night's hits, of course, that is now called into question as well, Jake. Clarissa Ward, Arwa Damon, Fred Pleiken, thank you. Please, all of you, stay safe. One of the Democratic presidential candidates who's been deployed to Iraq weighs in on President Trump's statement. That's next. In our world lead, we're getting our first look at the damage after Iran fired missiles at two Iraqi air bases where American troops are stationed. CNN obtained these images of Al-Assad Air Base outside Baghdad from Planet Labs, Four buildings on the base appear to be damaged, and a missile seems to have hit one of the runways. Thankfully, we're told that there were no casualties from these attacks, American or Iraqi. Joining me now to discuss is Democratic presidential candidate Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard of Hawaii. She's a major in the Army National Guard. She deployed to Iraq in 2005. Congresswoman, so good to see you. Thanks for joining us. As someone who served in Iraq, what was your reaction on on an emotional level, if you would, uh, when you heard missiles were targeting bases where 
Americans uh, are serving, a, a basis you're familiar with. A lot of my friends serve there. Uh, it was last night in New Hampshire, literally just walking in the door, about to kick off our town hall meeting, uh, when my staff started passing me notes and tweets and the reports that this attack was happening. And it, it just brought back like a flood of of memories of what we were going through on a daily basis, uh, the camp where we were, uh, which is LSA Anaconda at that time, but um, really highlighting we are we are in a state of war now and immediately thinking, OK, where are our troops? What are they doing? Are they safe? Thinking of their loved ones back home, highlighting the seriousness of what's really going on there. Well, Thank you, God no one got hurt. Yeah, I agree with that. What do you make of where we are, how we got here? Uh, yeah. I could see uh, we've heard Trump supporters and President Trump basically say, look, no American casualties. And we took out a bad guy, uh, Soleimani, a terrorist leader. Uh, what would your response to that be? Uh, well, first, you know, I just came from the intelligence briefing that the administration came and brought to Congress. Really, they provided vague comments, no justification whatsoever for this illegal and unconstitutional act of war that President Trump took. You don't buy the imminence, imminent no. attack against Americans? No. They failed to provide any compelling information to prove their point of imminence. Uh, and really, it, it, it brings us to the central question here, which is, uh, is our country's national security better off because of Donald Trump's actions and decisions? The answer to that is no, in two primary ways. Number one is Iran is now in a position where they're not really abiding by any restrictions from the Iran nuclear agreement. They are continuing to escalate in speed towards developing their own nuclear weapons capabilities, creating a greater threat for us to our allies and partners and to the world. And secondly, because the troops that we have in Iraq now and the additional ones that this administration is sending there are no longer focused on what their what their mission there really has been, which is to prevent a resurgence of ISIS and Al Qaeda. Mm-hmm. The announcement from the commander that came from there that said, we're not doing that anymore because now we have to shift all of our efforts and focus in a defensive posture against Iran and Iranian backed Shia militia. This leaves the door wide open. ISIS and al-Qaeda to start to reconstitute and to start to uh, be able to build a a resurgence in their terrorist activities. What do you make of the argument made by Secretary of Defense Esper and others, which is like, look, Soleimani and the Iranian and the IRGC, uh, the Islamic uh, Revolutionary Guard Corps, they've been attacking Americans for decades. uh, And it's not a secret. You don't need intelligence on this. They killed an American contractor uh, at the end of December. If this administration wants to go to war with Iran, they need to come to Congress because Congress is the only body that has the authority based on our Constitution to decide whether or not to go to war with Iran or not. That has not happened. And that just shows the shallowness of the argument that the Trump administration is making, where on the one hand, they're saying it's because of an imminent threat. But on the other hand, they're saying, well, look at all of these things that have been happening for a long time. Once again, it comes back to this core question that our commander in chief must be able to answer, which is acting not in a a reaction to say, well, we got to go take out a bad guy here, a bad guy there. But what is in the best interest of the national security of our country? What is in the best interest of our safety and security as Americans? And I think Trump's actions and decisions here further highlight his lack of experience and understanding at a basic level and lack of foresight in national security and foreign policy, unnecessarily putting the American people further at risk. Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard, Democrat and presidential candidate. Thanks so much for being here. It's always good to see you. Thank you Appreciate Jake. it. No haggling, no witnesses. So what will Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell say yes to when it comes to the Senate impeachment trial? Stay with us.
of breaking news for you in our worldly moments ago. Two Republican senators publicly railed on the Trump administration after being briefed uh, after the Trump administration briefed members of Congress on Iran. One of them, Senator Mike Lee of Utah, called today's briefing the, quote, worst briefing I've had on military issues in my nine years in the Senate. Lee said the way everything played out was, quote, un-American and completely unacceptable. He said the administration suggested Congress should not have a role in debating uh, military action in Iran. Uh, and and uh, Caitlin, um, let's talk about this, because we heard Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard, uh, who's a Democrat, uh, saying basically the same thing. Like, I've, I've been briefed now, and I'm, I'm, I don't buy it, and it's not, and yes, Soleimani was a horrible person, but it's not worth this uncertainty, this unrest. And she said, basically, we're in a state of war with Iran. Yeah, and Mike Lee's position on this was, his positions on things like this have been known, but to say this is the worst briefing he's been to in his nine years being in the Senate is pretty remarkable. And he says he went in there undecided, but now he says he is going to back this resolution that Senator Tim Kaine, of course, a Democrat, has produced because of that, because he simply says that their answers weren't sufficient enough. Now, the administration has been arguing, yes, we far and away have the evidence that this was an imminent attack. So the question is, why wouldn't the top intelligence officials have shown it to these senators in this classified briefing? And you're seeing a Republican like Mike Lee say he is wholly unsatisfied with this and saying he wants to discuss it with Trump directly. And there is this move uh, about the uh, demanding that President Trump, if he wants uh, to use force against Iran in the future, that he has to come to Congress and he has to do it through the War Powers Act. Yeah, Jake, you talked to Secretary Pompeo on Sunday and you asked him about all of the history of misleading information from the government about war in the past and why there's a higher bar now to, to convince the American people that if we're going to use American force, that you have to convince the American people that there's a reason behind it. And it seems like that message has not gotten through, at least with this administration. And that's part of the reason that Congress is trying to reassert itself, because several members of Congress feel that over the past few decades, they have ceded too much power to the administration to conduct war, to uh, conduct foreign policy without input from the Congress, the co-equal branch of government. And it's apparent that this is now becoming a bipartisan issue, that people are saying that at this point, we're 20 years beyond the last AUMF, the authorization to use military force, and the Congress needs to reassert itself and say that if we're going to go with the war with Iran, that we need to have Congress involved. David, I just want to play the sound from Senator Mike Lee, and then we'll come right to you. Here's Senator Mike Lee, Republican from Utah, after being... Uh, briefed uh, by the Trump administration about the intelligence behind the strike against Soleimani. I, I still haven't had the questions answered that I came into that briefing expecting to ask. They left after 75 minutes. Now, I, I understand these are busy people. They've got a lot of demands on their time. They're appearing before a coordinate branch of government, a coordinate branch of government responsible for their funding, for their confirmation, for any of... Anyway, uh, David, David Urban, uh, your response. Hey, look, so so as as Caitlin said, you know, Mike Lee, Rand Paul, th- these voices aren't new in terms of you know the authorization and using force without uh, without without coming to the Congress. I, I think you know the, the points well made on the AUMF. The AUMF is authorization for use of military right, force, which which has been in place. For almost 20 years now, 2001. Since 2001, it, it was an it was an issue when President Obama went into Syria. Whether that was authorized or not, I think in this instance, I think the AUMF they believe covered the action because it took place inside of Iraq and it was directly relating to Iraq. And so I, I think that's why they believe it was covered. But I think there should be a full throated debate anytime our young men and women are put in harm's way. The Congress should be involved because it's a really really big deal, and we should have people in the Congress 
taking a vote, whether you're for this or against this. And so when bad things happen down, down, you know, years from now, you can be on the record. I was I supported this or I did not support. this. Yes, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And Congress should have a role. And there were many who were advocating for that. And they were never successful for Tim a range Kane of was advocating. He certainly was. Democrats and Republicans um, were at the time as well. Um, I will say, though, David, I think this is a little bit more than just a debate over AUMF. I think what a lot of members have looked at here is this action that was taken. They don't know why. They don't know what the consequences will be. They're, they're concerned there wasn't a discussion about what then. And I think that's being reflected by their reactions as well. And I think if I could just say before we, we go to break, uh, the imminence question has to do also with why didn't you consult with us if it wasn't that imminent? Uh, but everyone stick around. Uh, we're going to be right back. Until his death last week, Qasem Soleimani was not a name widely known to the American people, despite the fact that, as President Trump noted again today, the Pentagon blames the Iranian general for the killing and maiming of hundreds of U.S. service members. Soleimani's hands were drenched in both American and Iranian blood. Iranian General Qasem Soleimani headed an organization labeled terrorist by the U.S. government, accused of being the architect behind the killings of more than 600 U.S. service members during the Iraq war and severely injuring many others forever, changing their lives. Planting of roadside bombs that maim and dismember their victims. How did Soleimani do this? Bombs called explosively formed penetrators, or EFPs. The Pentagon says Soleimani gave hundreds of EFPs to Iranian militias and terrorist groups in order to attack American forces in Iraq. The EFP is a weapon former Army Sergeant Brian Anderson knows all too well. When the explosion went off, it cut my legs and my hand off instantly. My legs were on the floorboard, my hand was in the passenger seat, and it actually spun me sideways. And as I started looking down, they tried to force my head back down to the ground, hoping I wouldn't see what had happened. Anderson lost both his legs, his left hand, and a finger on his right hand from an EFP blast. That copper plate liquefies and literally just melts through your armor. It's not piercing it, it's melting through it. Though not all of Soleimani's victims were from EFP attacks, U.S. Central Command estimates nearly 200 American service members were killed by Iranian-made EFPs between 2005 and 2011. And more than 850 others were wounded. The EFPs are really directional explosions that shoot a projectile in a single direction with that achieves hypervelocity with incredible, horrible results. As the Iraq war went on, officials were able to tie these weapons back to Iran and to Soleimani. There is pretty good evidence uh, um, tying these uh, EFPs to the Iranians. And that forced the U.S. to change its strategy in Iraq. As a result of the EFPs, I can state with clarity and certainty that the MRAP was devised and we had to adapt how we went to war against this monstrous capability. And, at least for one victim of the brutal weapon, the death of the man responsible for his grievous injuries has given him some solace. Finding out that they got this guy, he's like the brains, the mastermind behind all of that. And this world is a much better place without him. Our coverage on CNN continues right now. See you tomorrow. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number Smart Beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. 
Sleep Next Level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 Smart Bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.